To the north, south, east, and west, four corners of the world, greetings from the wild and arid desert of the American Southwest. I'm your host, Chaos Blue, and this is the Fanfic Maverick Podcast. All right, folks, we are doing a quick bonus episode for you today. We've had a little bit of a scheduling snafu this month, so we may have to push off our regularly scheduled broadcasts a week or so. But in the meantime, we wanted to do a quick bonus episode for you. I say we because today I am joined by a special guest, Neil, the author of a thought-provoking Tumblr ask on my Tumblr page a few weeks ago. Lucky for us, she agreed to come on and discuss that post with me today. Neil, say hello to everybody and tell us a little bit about you. Hello, everybody. I am Neil. I'm glad to be here. And uh, about me, I'll, I'll tell you the only thing that I think is pertinent right now, the name. Well, the actual name is, it's Neil Kunt, right? And it w- which, is, which is an old, it's an old oh. Indian name. Oh, that's cool. I love that. Well, thank you so much for being here today to talk about this post with me. Welcome to the show. I was hoping that we could actually read your Tumblr ask post really quick, just to give the audience some context for what we're going to be talking about today. So I'm going to go ahead and read this. I thought it was really interesting and thought provoking. So here is the original post from Neil. She says, Perhaps you could do an episode on what it is exactly that makes fan fiction distinct from any other type of fiction. And I mean beyond the old fan fiction is not real literature argument. It isn't even worth dignifying. But to really question why people place it in a category of its own at all, just how much literary elitism affects our perception of art and distorts our understanding of the world and of the very concept of originality. Does such a thing as absolute originality even exist? Nothing comes from nothing. Every story begins somewhere outside of its creator's control, and they found it, remembered it, transformed it, either consciously or subconsciously. If all characters ever created are amalgamations of the people we have known, including ourselves, and characters already in existence, and if the stories we conjure are just byproducts of the media we consume and a point of inspiration, lying somewhere between experience and fantasy, and what is fantasy if not just another story, then isn't all fiction fan fiction? Would that make the first story ever written RPF? And then she says, anyway, don't mind me, just talking nonsense, fascinating stuff, transformative artistry. And I loved this post so much because it brought up so many super interesting points. Neil, let's go ahead and just start from the top here. I really loved this, questioning why fan fiction is placed in a category all on its own. What are your thoughts about that? There's nothing righteous about that thought. It's really just an objective curiosity more than anything else. You'll have, you know, a pile of toys in front of you and, you know, the instinct is to separate them into neat little piles of their own categorization, right? And it's a natural human instinct, I guess. So, you know, it, it doesn't make sense to me why, if I try to understand, you know, there's, there's fiction and within fiction, you're supposed to have a subset called fan fiction, right? Well, well, if fan fiction is a subset of fiction, then what's its complement? You know, what, 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 part of, what part of fiction is not fan fiction? And that's a question that I've never really found, found an answer to, you know, a quant- quantifiable answer to, which is why I, you know, I thought it was worth asking 
what is fan fiction in itself why what wh- why why is it different from any other kind of fiction what is the second kind of fiction that is that is not transformative that is somehow not coming from anything else yes yes and i loved that that you segued from that in the post straight to the point that all art and all literature comes from somewhere right it doesn't just get pulled out of nowhere out of thin air there is inspiration happening all around us all the time the inspiration comes from the cultures that we grow up in the people that we meet in our lives the experiences that happen to us or that happen to other people so i loved your point that all literature is inspired from something right nothing comes from nothing correct correct ultimately you know nothing nothing is non fan fiction Yeah, nothing is really non-fan fiction if you think about it that way that everything has a starting point of inspiration. I was thinking about this a lot and I think that one of the things that makes fan fiction unique in that respect is the fact that fan fiction is at least honest in the sense that it admits where the inspiration comes from, right? because you know we're honestly admitting that our inspiration for fan fiction is coming from established media you know tv books movies games things like that so in its honesty i think that's one of the things that makes fan fiction so unique is that we're not hiding where the inspiration comes from it's very transparent it is transparent yeah fan fiction is ultimately the fiction that has the guts to you know say where it comes from is fan fiction if you're willing to admit that you're writing fan fiction then it's fan fiction otherwise you're segueing around it you know you're trying to work your way around it with pretentious language and excuses exactly which i thought was such an interesting point that you brought up about literary elitism right and the way that literary elitism kind of colors and informs the way that we talk about literature and art in the modern sense absolutely there are a lot of folks out there that are talking about art and literature and then when they start talking about fan fiction what are the things that they're usually talking about it's copycat literature it's you know uninspired but when folks talk about quote unquote published literature that's based off of something else or inspired off of something else they'll use words like based on or inspired by right adapt that's right Yes, adapted from, right? So they use these words in such a way to say that as long as the literature inspired by something else is coming from our established professional channels of distribution, it's fine, right? Yeah, exactly. That's another thing that picks me off the word published, you know, like this is published media and this is non-published media. Well, publishing is defined as, you know, the dissemination and distribution of media. It, you know, if so long as you are doing that, you are publishing. It is pointless to say that, you know, X media is published because it was distributed by X corporation and B media is non-published or, you know, somehow non-formally published because it was, you know, published online by the author themselves. So it's meaningless. It's still publishing, you know. It it's being disseminated, it's being distributed, then it's publishing. I absolutely agree with that point. I love that because you're right. If it's out there for consumption and interaction, that it's published and it doesn't really matter what platform it's on. But I think that that's such an interesting distinction to make because I think that that is the false distinction that literary elitism is trying to make here 
And when I say literary elitism, I'm mostly talking about big corporations, the, the large, big, established channels for art distribution, whether that's a publishing house for literature, whether that's a company that produces and distributes films, like, you know, whatever. But I think that these established channels have a vested interest in being the only channel to distribute this art. Not just the corporations, you, you should call out the institutions as well, these, the educational institutions. Higher academics is extremely elitist. It's extremely exclusionary. It's extremely ableist. It's, you know, it, there, is, there is a disgusting culture of exclusivity when it comes to higher education. You know, that, that should be pointed out as well. You know, I think literary elitism is in fact coming from uh, established academic sources, definitely. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely it is. It comes in all forms and it comes from a lot of different places. I just think that it's interesting that when we're talking about the elitism coming from institutions that are for profit, it's interesting when you think about how that vested interest, I think, does really come from wanting to make a profit, I guess, off of these established publishing channels, if that makes sense. Yeah, it, it, there is there is an economic aspect to it because now you know in, in the in the West the transformation has already happened. So now I think you know the the design in the West is finished, right? It's it's gotten to the end points. You know you you have your uh, you have your capitalist structure, you have your monopolistic literary publishing, and you have your fan fiction non fan fiction divide. Of people have having a very clear idea in their heads of what fan fiction is and what proper literature is. Whereas these ideas don't really exist that strongly in a lot of countries where, where a similar economic structure may not exist or you know, may not be completely formed. Developed, developed economies in developing, that's the word they like to use, right? Underdeveloping economies. So you know, when you are underdeveloped, that means you haven't gotten there yet. That means the transformation is still taking place. So, so you know, if development is defined as you know, getting from point, let's say, point communist to point B uh, capitalist, you know, because that's, that's the definition, that's the primordial idea of development, then, then you, you actually get to see the transformation happen in real time. And you can see that, you know, when uh, economy is being infused. Now, see, the government uh, in India doesn't really, uh, doesn't really uh, invest into publishing itself. It, mm-hmm. does, it does publish a certain media for education. And, you know, that's a problem because there it gets to, there it also gets to control the media being published. So that is a problem. But for the most part, publishing gets outside of what the educa- uh, educational publishings are. Uh, there is zero FDI from the government. Multinational corporations uh, are, you know, have been over the years taking over the publishing sector in India. And now you have basically, you know, just like a, a six or seven, which are at the top. And uh, they've been slowly acquiring the smaller, the smaller publishing houses that we have. And, you know, as this is happening, as this is happening, as the number of uh, producers, you know, goes down and uh, they start competing with each other in the same arena, basically in the same arena with, the, with similar kind of products, the, the market is going to transform into a monopolistic sort of competition as opposed to just like a, like a perfect competition or, or, a, or a, a non-monopolistic competition. So what, which, you know, the distinctive feature of which is that you have, uh, that the goods are differentiated rather than different. So, so naturally the media is going to, is, go, is going to start to morph into, you know, the, the formula will develop. That's, you know, it, it, it will happen. The, the moment that starts happening, formula fiction starts coming in. That's like, that's the process of it. 
then of course they start to control the content of it you know they because they want similar stories a formula has been developed this is the kind of thing that puts a bestseller on the shelves the other companies want to have that same bestseller on theirs and you end up you know you end up with that with that experience you know of walking into a store and you know trying on 12 different brands of the exact version with minor differences in the names that that's what's happening with art which 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 it shouldn't and now what i thought about was that you know uh, the the interesting thing is that so fan fiction as as a cultural phenomena doesn't doesn't yet exist in these in these countries where the pro, where the transformation is still taking place it it is it's coming forth it's sprouting forth because of course the west affects where western culture affects everyone else because we, you know at this point we are connected but uh, but in the, the you know the interesting part is that in the west itself the, the the you know the very existence of the fan fiction culture proves that if you if if you start to control what's being created you know our creators will find a way you know a new culture will develop on its own like the natural process of things is such that if you try to cramp down upon uh, your creation and you know create creative outlets then you know they'll they'll find a way on their own you know and so the community of fan fiction arrived on its own the culture came up on its own when you know when the possibility of it when the room for it was no longer there in the formal in the formal sector which proves that you know it's never it's never really going to go away it's not something that will work yes absolutely i love those points i love that so much because i had similar thoughts about that how I feel like free storytelling has always been part of the human experience and the human tradition. We've been doing it as human beings for, you know, thousands of years, and then along comes modern culture and modern society and suddenly we have this concept of ownership and intellectual property rights, and then along comes these big established publishing houses and corporations that want to sort of control the stories that are being told and the media that's coming out and you're absolutely right there is this monopoly happening where a lot of these companies are bought out by other companies when you look at the big media companies that control all of the other little media companies it's really only a few it's a few big companies that own all of the other smaller ones and it really is becoming very monopolistic which means that we have given away that role of storytelling in our society to these companies right we are culturally relying on them for our art our tv our you know movies our books so the in other words the the stories of our people right like <laughs> they're coming through these established channels because of the way that our society is set up and you're right i think that fan fiction in many ways is a defiant response to these entrenched establishments because fan fiction can be published and consumed outside of those established channels and it's a much freer sense of communication and self-expression and free speech, right? Nobody can control what we publish in fan fiction thanks to AO3 and other places where we can publish without anybody scrubbing out what's being said or, you know, telling people we can't post and things like that. So, in many ways I do think it's a very defiant response to uh to the monopoly that we have going on with art in in modern culture. So, I think that that's very interesting what you said about how in some parts of the world where that monopoly has not happened yet as it starts to develop and happen 
you'll see fan fiction start sprouting up in those parts of the world as well. Literature finds a way. Yes, literature finds a way. I love that. Ah, I love this discussion. I just, I love talking about fan fiction. This was such a great post. I really appreciate you uh, bringing this to me because it was so thought-provoking. I loved it. You know, uh, when you when you brought up, you know, the false distinctions that are, you know, that let's say the status quo will want to create between uh, what, what they are publishing and what the people themselves are publishing. Yeah, that's another thing, right? Like KO3 isn't doing anything to in order to prevent censorship. Like the point is that we are AO3. The point is that AO3 is a community managed. Like there is no, you know, one particular head office which is kind of controlling things. It's, it's a community affair. Like most, like most of the internet is. Yes. Ooh, and that reminds me of something that I was also thinking about. We have this unique free sharing culture on the internet, and we have a very unique sharing culture in fandom as well. And the fan fiction community was built on free sharing culture, right? Where we don't, you know, try to profit off of our art, our literature. We just, we share it, right? With as many people as possible. It's written for free. It's consumed for free. I really do believe that on some level, that's seen as a threat to the institutions that profit off of distributing art and literature, because they would prefer, I'm sure, that we spend our money purchasing our art and literature from them. And also that just, just because most people, most, uh, most fan fiction writers and most fan art makers are doing it for free doesn't mean, you know, just because most people choose not to make money off of it doesn't mean that they can't. So it is an opportunity, certainly. It is, it is a, there is a potential for competition. And, and so much competition because, uh, you know, the speed of production here, you know, it's, it's insane, definitely. <laughs> yeah, no, the speed of production, especially on the fan fiction side, I think. There are some writers that are so prolific and they just keep pumping out the art <laughs> as fast as they can, which I love. I love that. <laughs> page in like three seconds, you'll get a thousand more stories i mean it is yeah it is wild yes isn't it though it's so amazing to think about but yeah no i also just wanted to say that one thing that's very interesting i think about when a culture has these established modes of distribution for art that are for profit like we do in our modern society you do tend to have this attitude of it's not art unless you can sell it. It's not art unless you're profiting from it. It's not art unless it's coming from one of these established corporate channels, right? And that's an unfortunate narrative that's being pushed on people in our society because it is not true. We have a wonderful fandom community of fan fiction writers, fan artists, other type of artists. Just because they're not able to profit off of their work does not mean that it isn't art. Right, because for, for a lot of people, you know, value needs to come from someplace that is quantifiable as either exclusivity or, or money, plain and simple money. So if something isn't making money or is something, well, well what, is, what is money if not another excuse to exclude people, right? Because everyone will, because, you know, no matter what you do, there are people who won't have it. Ultimately, if you can't keep some people out, you won't feel special enough about it. And, uh, you know, it won't have worth to them. Art is only art if it is exclusive. Art is only art if you can keep some people out. Absolutely. And it's so important to point out that the exclusivity 
that we're talking about, I feel like it's a false dichotomy, a false exclusivity. It's manufactured, fabricated. Yeah, it is. Elitism is, is the belief that, you know, some people are better because, you know, in group and out, inside the group and outside the group. If you're the in crowd, you're better than the out crowd. That's the whole, that's the, that's the crux of elitism, really. Yes, absolutely. Which is why I think it is so important that we have platforms like this and other places where we can start pushing back against that narrative and pushing back against the false dichotomy, the false elitism that exists. And we can take back the narrative a little bit on fan fiction and push back and say, no, no, <laughs> fan fiction is not all that different from established literature. There's nothing wrong with it just because we can't profit on it, just because it doesn't come from the established channels. It's art. It's valid. It's defiant. It's beautiful. I'm glad that we have the ability now to kind of talk about that and pick apart that narrative a little bit. Yeah. Not only is it equivalent to you know, whatever the, these, the other fiction is. Yeah. So ultimately, if you, if you, you know, look at this narrative, then technically the thing that is non-fat fiction, the, the part of fiction that, that, do, it isn't, that it doesn't claim to be transformative is simply the part that's approved of by, by, by the corporate sector. You have corporate art and you have, uh, and you have community art. So you have capitalist art and you have communist art. All literature, if you think about it, going back to your post, is transformative. It has to be because ideas and inspiration don't come from a vacuum. They don't come from nowhere. They're coming from somewhere, from the artist's experience. And so all art has to be by nature transformative, right? And you know, the, the, when you, uh, this is the point that I was starting on earlier. When you said, you know, when you said that there's a false distinction being created based on the, what do you say, the, the publishing, the, you know, the, the false narrative that this is, this is actual formal publishing and this is non-publishing. Another, another such false distinction is, is the one of originality, right? The illusion, the illusion that they create of original fiction and then the secondary fiction, uh, sorry, even bad fiction, which is, which is not original, which is, let's say, copycat or it's, you know, because it's taking its roots from somewhere that it will announce and present to the world. The, that's why it's somehow lesser in, uh, in its creativity or, you know, or in its ability to call itself original work than, than the fiction that they're producing. Whereas, you know, a, a lot of stories, well, how much, how much of the market, how much of the market in formally published media right now is, is adaptations, it's remakes, is sequels. And more than that, more than that, I'm thinking, I think if, if you take even like a graduate literature course, they'll teach you that most, most English media, English, I say English media specifically because English media currently, well, it, it does dominate the information production of the world, I think around 70, 60%. If you take English media, all of it can come down, honestly, all of it can honestly come down to a very few sources. One is the Bible. The second is uh, folk stories. And the third which is my favorite is Shakespeare. Yes. <laughs> so, you know, essentially, essentially the thing that they are, that they are claiming to be not even in a really, it's not even false in a really abstract way, but it's outright false. It's just outright false. There is, there is, there is no, no semblance of truth to it. Yes. I, oh, I agree with you on that. You can trace back most classic literature. You can trace back the roots, just like you said, to the Bible, to folk stories, it really just comes down to the cultural mythology that all of these stories come from. The only thing that really distinguishes fan fiction from other types of literature, I think, just goes back to that honesty, right? These other published works claim to be original, 
And what is original fiction anyway, right? When it's coming from somewhere, I think that fan fiction is just uniquely, unapologetically honest about where it comes from and the inspiration that it comes from. Yeah, that's the it's the defining point, right? State what you are. <laughs> exactly. Well, I love that. This has been a great discussion. I think that we are just about ready to wrap up for the day. Neil, do you have any last words for us before we close out? No, not really. I just, yeah, Yankee fiction, Formy fiction, the illusion of originality, the elitism of academic structures and corporations, the transformation that the Eastern world is witnessing. Nothing more. That's what it is. Thank you so much for coming on today and discussing this with us. We really, really, really appreciate it. Thanks for listening, folks. You can find the Fanfic Maverick online at fanficmaverickpodcast.com, on Tumblr at fanficmaverickpodcast, on Instagram at fanficmaverick, and I can also be reached at fanficmaverick at gmail.com. Thank you all so much for listening. Don't forget to subscribe, and I will see you next episode. In the meantime, keep on rolling.